space, final frontier. These are the voyages of Starship Enterprise. It's five-year mission to explore strange new worlds, to seek out new life, a new civilization, to boldly go where no man has gone before. Greetings, salutations, and welcome back to Retrek. I'm Captain Jim. With me, of course, is Admiral Elliot. Hi there. And we're back with two more time travel stories, only one of which is from Voyager this week, though. We've, but we've managed to find another Voyager time travel, so we're going to look at that one. Um, but first of all, we're looking at Timescape from The Next Generation. Yeah, good episode, Timescape. Yeah, I thought it very enjoyable, yeah. Weirdly, I first saw this one. Um, we were driving back from Spain, back when me, my mum and dad had an apartment in Spain. And yeah. One year, my dad decided we're going to drive there, so we're going to get ferry to France. Then we're going to drive all the way through France, all the way through Spain. To get oh, to the apartment. The coach. That's a lovely trip, isn't it? Yeah, I don't. I've. I, I had no idea why they decided we were going to do that that year because it was just like constantly driving for two days yeah. to get there, and on way back we stopped at a, like a B and B just before the crossing in France, and it had it picked up English Sky TV. Um, so we had a look what we're on, and it was this episode of Star Trek, and I think this was the first time I'd seen it, and it was. So, at the time, it must have been when they were repeating... It was during a weekday, so it must have been when Sky were repeating TNG weekdays. And then, I think, straight after this, they went into the original series. So, yeah, it was... um, Yeah, that was where I first saw it. So, a bit of a weird one how I came about this one. But, yeah, it's a decent episode. So, we'll... We'll have a look, and it's a bit of a different spin on time travel as well, so... Yeah, they seem quite good at that, too. TNG putting different spins on it. Yeah, and we don't always wind up with uh, it never happened sort of thing. No, no, it's... Well, we'll get to that in the next episode. Yeah, we will. (laughs) But, yeah, so it starts off and Riker's getting treated for these big scars on his face, which Dr. Crusher, first of all, says, oh, is it Parisi Squares again, which is... You hear about Parisi Squares a lot in Star Trek, but you don't really see it, do you? I you... don't think we... I can't recall actually seeing the game no. being played, but we've seen them in the stupid uh, uniforms to wear for yeah, yeah, this we... season. Yeah, and that's the one I remember as well. Like They're all yeah. getting geared up, ready to go play it, but I don't think we ever... Or is it... What's the one that Riker plays with his dad? That's not Parisi Squares, no, is it? No, that's... Um... Blindfolds. Yeah, blindfold taekwondo or something. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, so they mentioned that. But anyway, it's not. It's Spot that's um, clawed at him. Yeah, he's looking after Spot. Spot while Data's away on a mission. And Spot's still a boy at this point. They're still saying he. Yeah. Which it's... Mind you, I, I can appreciate that. Um, when I was with one of my ex-girlfriends, we had a cat. And he was Andy for three years until he had kittens. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's pretty much what happens with Spot. So. Yeah. So the this is it's actually I'm gonna show is quite a common thing. Yeah. So Riker's been looking after him and everything, but uh, not going so well. And we get like we go back to that at the end of the episode. I wonder if these scenes with Riker and Spot and everything were. 
the episode were running a little bit short or something and they just kind of bobbed these in to fill out a couple of minutes. I'm not sure because there's plenty to do in this episode without needing filler. Well, that's what I mean, but I mean, maybe they they plotted it all out and then when they came to filming it, it was running a little bit short. I don't know. They might have just put these in for laugh, but... Yeah, maybe just to give them a, actually a scene in the that, episode. That could be it, actually, yeah, so you've got to have all your main cast getting at least one scene, so yeah, yeah. it could be that. Because there's no, there's no reason for them actually to do much, is there? No, uh, apart from stand there for most of it. Um, yeah, so they're getting a Romulan distress signal, and that's where we sort of leave the Enterprise for now. And then we go to, they're on a runabout, and this is, DS9 had started, so DS9 had been about halfway through its first season or something yeah, at this stage. Yeah, so they're using the runabout, the same, same set that they've got through runabout for well, DS9. Well, they're using the same front set, but I checked this, and this is the only time we ever see the back bit of the runabout. Yeah. And I think what they did was they they put this on a runabout so they could build that back set using the TNG budget with the intention of then using it on DS9, but they just never, ever got round to using it. Right. Which is weird that they'd go to the trouble of actually building it. Yeah, mind you, the runabouts got a bit um, rubbishy in DS9, like... They were meant to have three ships, but they were getting blown up all the time. Yeah, they always got them replaced, though, because they... Yeah, they replaced stuck pretty quickly, but that, like that, like I think that's half the reason they brought in the Defiant, that the ship that they had yeah. just wasn't wasn't good enough for the stories. Yeah, oh, exactly, especially when you brought the Dominion in. But speaking of the Defiant, I do wonder if, because if you look... In the back of this runabout, in some of the scenes later on, you can see, like, bunk beds in the background. Yeah. And it looks a lot like the bunk quarters that they have on the Defiant, so I wonder if that's how they ended up using this set, was redressing it and having it as the Defiance. It looks very, very similar. It wouldn't surprise me, because it's it's quite a big, chunky budget building set. Yeah, exactly. Just redress them, it saves you a fortune. Yeah, that's what I'd have thought, but um, I don't know. I'm sure there'll be somebody, I'll have some backstage information somewhere, but that's just from my observations. But um, I like the the opening bit where they're all chatting about the seminar and everybody's basically just taking the piss out. They're like, even Picard gets George, in on it. Had a great time. Oh yeah, Jordy loved it. <laughs> that's your... <laughs> That's like your typical Star Trek engineer, isn't it? That I they enjoy it. a very different side of Picard we saw. Yeah. Where I... he's, t- he's taking a Mickey out with somebody. Yeah, and he's doing the impression and everything. Yeah. So it's it's a lot more laid back Picard than than certainly what you got in the, the early seasons. I suppose, though, maybe it's a case of they know that they're in season six. They probably knew season seven were due to be the last one. So they're starting to bring in that mellow aside. They've got an eye on where he's going to end up at the end. So I I saw a thing yeah. recently with Ronald D. Moore talking and he was saying that the the poker scene at the end of All Good Things was always, always planned to be the last scene. So right. I, wonder, I wonder if they just had half a mind on that and they're like, we've got to start putting in these bits where Picard starts to have a we bit of a laugh with the crew. Him. Yeah. And then this is where, like, the talking and everything freezes. And it reminds me of, you know, when you get 
uh, an older DVD and it, it, it adds that warning and it says dual layer transition may cause a slight delay. Yeah. And you get that bit where the picture will freeze but the sound will carry on and then the picture will catch up all of a sudden. And so it, it, it uh, I presume completely unintentionally when they made it, but it visually it reminded me a lot of that. Yeah, it could be. I can imagine like there's a few people watching this I'm on trying DVD. To think, would, would this be before DVDs were out, mate? Um, I know that we'd had laser discs and that, but I don't think they were massively mainstream no, DVDs by now. We were it, still buying everything on video. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it'll have certainly been before there was they were a sort of common thing, yeah. And I, I just wonder if some people are watching this episode on DVD, and if you've not seen it before, you might think, oh, hang on, my DVD's... <laughs> my DVD's jumping. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, So that happens to everybody except Troy, first of all, and that's where we go into credits and everything, and then when we come back, you've got Troy telling them, and I noticed... She starts doing that thing where you tap your ear. Uh, she tells Barkley about it in an earlier episode. And it's meant, uh, it's like I think they call it plexing. It's like a Bajoran thing to relieve stress. Yeah. And I thought that's a really nice, subtle little character moment. That, and it's a callback to something we've touched on in another episode. And you don't get that too often. I thought that was a very nice little touch. And then she freezes. Yeah, she saw... Like, she's talking to Picard and she's almost doubting herself, isn't she? That yeah, happened because there's no evidence of... They can't find any evidence of a temporal thing or anything. Yeah, and she's starting to say, oh, maybe I was just stressed and bored and... Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and then... Yeah, what I thought here is it's making it look like this is going to be, like, a, a Troy-centric episode. It does at first, doesn't it? Yeah, like, she's going to be the one... The only one who notices it sort of thing and... Because we're, we're in her point of view, like we see the others get frozen, and then when she gets frozen, we don't see what's happened either. Well, so, that's quite clever how they do that, because yeah. I thought this was a great little little scene, because she sort of freezes, but then how she comes around, and they all round her with tripods yeah. and that studying her, what's going on. Yeah, it is really clever, and it. but then from here, it becomes more of a, an ensemble, really, but certainly them opening few scenes you think this is going to be a a specifically try one i think it works as an ensemble i'm glad that they go that way yeah and then there's a really cool shot of um the enterprise and the warbird frozen yeah that looks really and the warbird always looks cool it's always good to see a romulan warbird and it's massive as well like it's one of the the few ships was it devout D, yeah, D Deridex or something. It's something like that. It's one of them funny ones to pronounce. Yes, it's. <laughs> and it's, um, yeah, it's like, it sort of dwarfs the Enterprise. I know there's a bit of kind of perspective going on, but it it does look bigger when you see it up against it. I, f- I think they're about eight times bigger. Yeah, and it looks it but, in this episode. A lot, of that, a lot of that's actually because there's a lot of open space in the middle. Yeah. It isn't actually eight times the volume, but no, it sort so, of covers eight times the area. But yeah, I always wonder with a like a Romulan warbird, if you if you're up in one of the decks that's on the top and you need to get to the bottom, it's going to be a long turbo lift trip that's going to have to take you right down to Nacell. Yeah, and then round again. But anyway, maybe they just beam people. I don't know. 
And um, yeah, the obviously what they're in- assuming now is that there's been some sort of battle. And yeah, that in the final parts of the battle, it looks like the Romulans are firing on the Enterprise. There's something coming out of the Enterprise's deflector to the uh, the Romulan war burden. Which... We don't really know what's going on. No, it's a bit... all we know. All we know is last thing. There was a distress call and the Enterprise shot off. Yeah. And they'd even said that oh, it, it could be some form of trap before they set off. Yeah. I mean, so it's... So Riker put up all um, shields and... <laughs> it's a bit weird that Data can't work out what this beam is. Like, I thought Data had at least had a good guess at what it was. I don't know, because all he can see is a yellow beam. I, and, like... I think I, I wouldn't like to guess at how many different types of beams and energies no, and yeah, that's things fair. have been fired out of a deflector dish over the years. That's, in that's fair. They do always modify the de- deflector to do all sorts, don't yeah. they? But yeah, the thought so, all, all they'd have to go on is it's yellow. Which yeah, is how he describes alcohol. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Now, when they go over to the bridge, then there's a Romulan guy in the background who's not doing very good at standing still. But maybe it's because these are the HD masters that I watched it on Netflix. Maybe it's not as noticeable in the standard deaf version, but... Like, I was watching this, and, like, to be fair to this, this is early 90s still. So when you have scenes like this where everyone was frozen, the actors actually had to stand. Oh, yeah. Still, it wasn't like nowadays where... The trees are frame and with computer graphics to just move you through it. Oh, no, exactly. I mean, yeah. So, it's... to be fair, there's not many instances where you see many of them moving. No, it was right just this episode, guy. So. It Just this one guy is when they're up at the, the light up wharf station, there's a guy in sort of the, the top right-hand corner of the screen, and I don't know, he just caught my eyes somehow, and he's... He's not, like, twitching or anything, but he's sort of swaying on his feet a little I bit. Was, I was watching, um, uh, like, do you watch Westworld, I assume? Yeah, you? yeah. And I was watching sort of, like, a bit of the making of it, one of these episodes, and they're showing part of, I think it's, is it season, what season are we on now? Uh, three's just gone. Yeah, season three, so when they're in the sort of World War Two scene. Oh, yeah, yeah. The director didn't want to just freeze everything, he wanted the people there. And they actually dressed the set with them all. All right. So it's actually actors are there, and they were showing all the different frames they'd built for actors to lie on, so they could uh, have on the ground and stuff. Yeah. <laughs> but the director, even though we have that technology nowadays, where you can just do one frame and walk through it, wants it to be, thought it'd be more realistic. Yeah. If they were actually there and dressed the set up for us. And... Well, this is the thing, and they. I mean, obviously, TV production's moved on a long way since then, but Westworld's got a huge budget now as well. well and <laughs> if you can build all these rigs, and if you catch someone moving, you can afford to refilm it. Whereas, yeah. and Westworld's only done what the last season were it eight episodes, and we had to wait two years for it. So yeah, it's fun, yeah, it's the not. Fun then. I'm only just watching it. I'm, because of how it's been released. Yeah, well, it's, it's been two years between seasons every time. It's um, Yeah, which is a, it's a long wait. So you've, you've got more leeway with your production schedule than they did on TNG, I think, when they had to knock yeah. out 26 a 26 year. 26 episodes a year. Yeah, exactly. 
Um, then it the the episode sort of turns into a bit of a horror film almost when they're they're exploring the ship, like when they go down the Jeffries tube and there's them people frozen there, and yeah, they can't really get round them. And yeah, I think it it sort of takes on that aesthetic of like a, a horror movie. And there's someone else who's frozen on the one of the corridors and everything. But I like how it it kind of goes down that route for a little while. Well, then they're going to sick bay, and uh, you've got Doctor Crusher being shot by a Romulan. Yeah, yeah, that. I mean, it, it, like with the the first beam into the bridge, and there's Riker on the floor. Yeah, and it looks like the Romulans have attacked, and they're literally taking over the Enterprise. Oh yeah, it does very much so. I mean, as we find out, that's not the case. But yeah, it was a very unfortunate moment for time to freeze for. <laughs> for making assumptions as to what's happened. They, they quite rightly assume that there's been a battle from everything they can see. Then we get the really weird bit where Picard draws a smiley face in the yeah. in the smoke and he starts laughing and really weird. I, re- I remember it being a little bit uh, kind of unsettling the first time I saw it, but... Yeah, it, well, it is and it's... Like, what did I say? He's got a temporal imbalance, so... Yeah, it's bit, they, they sort of compare it to, like, divers getting the bends, but yeah. this is, like, the time bends, basically. Yeah. And so he can't, go, he can't go on the missions anymore. He's yeah. stuck back on the runabout. And they've, they've got to keep it to ten minutes and all of this stuff while they go and investigate everything. And um, this is when they go over to the Romulan ship and they start to get to the, the bottom of it. So, Romulans, have we established this before, that they use basically artificial black holes as their source um, of power? It's a funny one, is this? I, would, I think it has been mentioned in one TNG episode earlier, but it's a funny one because I was thinking about this. Yeah. And the Romulans got the warp technology, was established in TOS times. By trading the cloaking device with the Klingons. Yeah, true. So the Klingons give them the warp technology, so they've obviously abandoned the warp technology they were given and developed something and, else. Yeah, they must have done. And I mean, it's an interesting idea. It's, it's a wonder there's not more accidents if you've basically got an artificial black hole in your... Yeah, the only other species that's ever... Co- that's ever uh, mentioned as having using quantum t- uh, singularities as a technology is the erosion oh ah, right yeah yeah but it's a very strange technology to use compared to everyone else yeah but it's very strange that you'd have what technology and abandon it for what i imagine could be very dangerous to operate you'd have thought so unless i mean it because what technology theoretically does it by mixing matter and antimatter. Yeah, so that's quite the, dangerous. So maybe the Romulans haven't got as good a containment system, so that's why they went well, with something else. Well, singularity, basically opening a small black hole. Yeah. And the problem with it is once it's activated for the first time, it can never be switched back on. Yeah, because they say that, don't they? Because they say it's, it's off, but it can't be, sort of thing. Yeah, you can't switch them off, ever. Yeah. <laughs> so to me, that seems like, Surely that's even more dangerous. You'd think so, yeah. And anyway, they find out like there's sort of an organic thing in there and there's a cool bit where time goes forward a bit, then goes back a bit again. Yeah. And Picard sees the Enterprise blow up, but then it comes back again and 
Yeah, it's nice effects in that bit. Yeah, it's uh, but the science piece together what's actually gone on here that the the Romulan warbird is in trouble. They're starting to realise. Yeah, and the Enterprise is trying to help it by the looks yeah. of it. And this is when I mean we've seen a Romulan that one of them was moving around earlier on. I missed that when I were going through, but um, yeah, this time a Romulan or what we find out isn't a Romulan, but they attack Geordie. And this is where we basically get the explanation, which is they're from another time continuum, but they they basically use black holes as nests to raise the young. Yeah, to incubate the young. But they couldn't find one, so they went for... No, they mis- I think, didn't they mistake the Romulan war? Yes, for sorry. They, but the, this, he says something like, oh, we thought that that had worked too or something, yeah. so... Yeah, as it turns out, it didn't. But it's an interesting concept that you've got this species that incubate children in in black, black holes. holes. I suppose is that something to do with the time dilation, maybe? Because of the gravity of the black hole, if it's a... possibly if they if they live on a, in a different uh, yeah dimension of time, or so maybe I'm sure again there'll be some complicated quantum theory that'll yeah, explain. I, like this one seems very convoluted about this species and pretty hard to understand that they lived in a different dimension of time and raised the kids in black holes. I mean, it's one of them. You've just got to go with it, haven't you? If they say we raise these kids in black holes, you just got to be like, yep, that'll do. That's the explanation. No problem with that. (laughs) And obviously they come up with a plan to wind the time back again and stop it and everything. But... The other alien interferes with it, which I'm not entirely sure. Why does she try and stop Data? I think she's worried that it's going to kill the young. Maybe, yeah. I suppose if that that beam was to recharge it, maybe it needed they needed the power or something. Yeah, so she's trying to trying yeah, to prevent I, I it. I thought this was a bit strange. Why she's trying to stop it? But she's trying to stop it because yeah, the, because the other guy. He attacks Geordie, but then he's quite cooperative. You know, he tells them what's yeah. going on and everything like that. But yeah, she she seems to disrupt it at the last minute, and to not a lot of effect really. Like Data still manages to sort it all out. It delays yeah. it a little bit, but not um, doesn't knacker it or anything. And Picard, we're talking about destroying runabouts. We get another one destroyed in this one. Yeah. They're quite the almost as bad as shuttles runabouts for getting destroyed. Well, at least Voyager shuttles. <laughs> oh yeah, well definitely Voyager shuttles. Look, we we've not come across many. We, we we should do like a mini season on Voyager shuttles getting blown up. <laughs> we could do all the episodes where a shuttle gets destroyed. That'll probably take us a long time though, because there's I think quite it a would, few. Actually. Yeah. And, and I think to be fair, you'd also have to do DS9 when a runabout gets blown yeah. up. Yeah. Like yeah. everyone goes on about the shuttles from Voyager, but it, it, I bet there's probably about as many runabouts from DS9 get destroyed. I'm sure there probably is, but I think the thing was Voyager didn't have a way of getting new shuttles, and that was the yeah. Whereas they were building them themselves, which yeah, we all did with the Delta Flight. We do, yeah. But DS9, they always made a point of, like, there's an episode in there where Cisco says, like, I've requisitioned another one, I need to decide on another river to name it after. Yeah, we're taking taking delivery of our new runabout. (laughs) Yeah. 
So I think it's, yeah, it's probably more because Voyager shouldn't have that many shuttles. Yeah. But, and then this is where we get to the end bit, as I say, which revisits Spot and Riker's coming in looking really shifty, trying to avoid Spot again. And well, he, he dumped looking after Spot onto Dr. Crusher, hadn't he? He had, yeah. Didn't, didn't Worf end up looking after him at some point? Yeah, yeah, Warf really... takes, warfare takes it like a challenge of being a warrior. Yeah. Con- that's how he gets conned into it. Yeah, exactly. So maybe he should have just asked Worf this time, first of all. But, um, yeah, and then it's obviously Data's got the thing with the kettle and everything, which is... Yeah, he's trying to understand time passing. Almost like a throwback to sort of season one and two Data, that, where he's looking at these quirky human things in a, a funny way kind of thing. Yeah. But, yeah, it's a nice little scene. But, as I said, to me, it just feels a little bit almost tacked on at the end. But, you know, it's a, it, it's fine. It wraps it up nicely yeah, enough. And it wraps up nicely. We had time travel. Uh, nothing was reset at the end. It, it, actually, it All this happened. Yeah, yeah. They now know of a new species. Yeah. Like, I'm assuming that the Romulans, even though this happened, made, ab- for, made absolutely no effort whatsoever to go back and use the warp technology other warp technology that oh, I wouldn't, uh, yeah I wouldn't have thought so. just carried on using quantum singularities they've, they've <laughs> probably put this species on the same list that they've got the synthetics on like right we yeah. don't like them either now so yeah we don't like, they, like I know that they retconned it or tried to because there's the episode in next generation where to find out that going above warp six is destroying subspace and oh, certain yeah. species. Yeah. So the Federation that... had probably stopped using warp technology. Yeah, that was a. Yeah. I, the weird thing is, I don't think. I don't think they've ever explained how they retconned it on screen, um, but it's yeah, just have, generally um, agreed that they did. Yeah, and um, they've sort of had a few episodes of TNG afterwards. Where it was mentioned that they got special permission to exceed. Warp I remember 6. them, yeah. When Voyager was released, uh, they took note of it, and that's why Voyager's pylons move up when it goes into warp. See, I knew that, but I don't remember an episode that tells uh, you that. I thought it was just one of them behind the scenes. And uh, more modern uh, Federation starships after that, like the Enterprise A, etc., um, they're just designed differently. So yeah. the warp bubbles are a different shape, so they don't cause that problem. And that's how they sort of retconned it. And which, again, it was fair enough. That was, it was a silly one to It, it was to one of these sil- things that they put in without giving it a lot of thought what it did to Canon. Yeah, and they were... <laughs> and they we were, all know what people like for Canon with Star Trek. I know, yeah. Like, <laughs> I mean, Voyager... Voyager must have been in early development when that episode was being written. And that would have just been ridiculous if they'd have been like, right, well, you're 70,000 light years from home at warp nine, but don't forget you're restricted to six. So, yeah. Yeah, silly, silly, silly. Uh, but anyway, you know, we'll get onto that one at some point. One of these days and have a go, have a go at silly, silly, epi- silly canon episodes. Yeah. One, another one, I ju- something I picked out in this episode that uh, it happens really early on, but you know where Picard goes for the fruit bowl? Yeah. And his fingernails grow. And they say, oh, that's because time's moving 50 times faster in there. But yeah. it, 
his hands on in it for about 10 seconds. Yes, so that's not... It must be going a lot faster than 50 times. That's what I thought. Like, even if he'd had it there a minute, that would have still only been 50 minutes. Yeah, that sort of growth of nails is yeah. probably about six months. Exactly. Like I'm going to say at the end of this podcast, we should both have massive long nails if we've, <laughs> we've not trimmed as nails during the time we've been talking. Yeah. So, just a weird one, like... It, it's one of those where I get what they were going for and it all makes sense, but then saying 50 times, don't, and fruit don't go off that quickly either. No, it, it'd have to be that it'd been sort of a, to get to that stage, you'd be looking at a couple of weeks at least. Yeah, unless it's pears, because like pears, you can turn your back on them and they go, but... Yeah, yeah there was quite a bit of different stuff, so... <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I think we're probably looking at months, not... Yeah, weird one, but anyway, not a major gripe, no. but it's just an odd... And it's one of them where you think, did no one say at the time this do not make sense? But anyway. Yeah, 50 times 10 seconds, so his hand's been in there 500 seconds, yeah. so about nine minutes. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Unless Picard's got, yeah, maybe he's trimming his nails all the time that we just don't, we don't notice, but... Um, yeah, so another thing I wanted to say about that episode is it's one of the better, I think, episodes before the season finale because quite often you get a bit of a lame episode just before the finale because the money's yeah. running out and the ideas are running out. Yeah, I, like I am, like I was about to say it was probably quite cheap, but no, because they built the the set for the runner back. Yeah, yeah. So you've got quite do maybe use it up budget maybe the actually saved money earlier on in the season <laughs> yeah no it's, I mean it is, it's a really good episode especially to come as I say just before the season finale yeah. when you don't always expect a great episode but yeah good one so from that one then to an early Voyager yeah um, depending how you look at it either the third f- third or fourth episode yeah because Caretaker's two-parter yeah but so, well, the third story. Third story for Voyager, time and yeah. again. And yeah. So this is Voyager's first time travel then. Yeah. First of many, 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 but... Um, yeah, uh, and the shape of things to come. Yeah, in terms of how it ends up, certainly. So, yeah, it's early days and everything. So, first of all, you start off with Tom and Harry... Well, I'm going to say having a bit of banter, but it's not. It's just Tom, really. And he's he's got this thing of he wants Harry to come on a double date with them with the Delaney, yeah, the Delaney sisters, sisters. Who I do I think you eventually do see them, don't yeah, you? Yeah, you but, do see them eventually. Um, oh, it's not till about season two or three that. Yeah, but this is the first time you actually see they mentioned a lot. Yeah, they mentioned loads. But the, I assume that it was one of them things that they were struggling to find a pair of twins or something. Yeah, probably. And it's it's a little bit smutty from Tom with his oh come on it's a package deal it's like what are you talking about <laughs> but but then Tom in his early days was a pretty CD character at yeah. times so there you like go Harry's, Harry's straight up and he goes I've got a girl back home and bear in mind they've only been there for a week maybe two by at this point couple of weeks yeah and Tom. Uh, Tom so says, well, I've got five. Yeah, I was there. Yeah, but I intend to go back to mine, which yeah. is a fair comment. It is, but... It's been faithful. Where, where's Tom got the... I mean, he's obviously bullshitting, but, like, you, you were in prison five minutes ago, Tom, so... Well, 
you, you never know being in prison. Yeah, maybe. maybe uh, five. <laughs> yep, maybe we should just leave that one to the yeah, slash fiction yeah, writers. That, maybe that's places that we just shouldn't go. Yeah. <laughs> we'll leave that to everyone else's imagination. Yeah, I think so. Five on the go straight from prison. Yeah. And we get the... I quite like, I'd forgotten sort of how subtly they did the Arquiquez with the powers and everything. So we start to get it here. And yeah. I like how they seed this through the episode and she's getting little bits here and there and it's getting stronger and Neelix yeah, is a I bit... Think, I think the problem here with, that we have with Kez is that they, I don't think they developed it well enough. No. That she didn't become... You get little bits and pieces and of it, which great and her power's developing because she's come away. Yeah. And... Even in this episode, you have Tuvok going, I have no idea how this could be. And then you have Tuvok teaching how to use the powers, which doesn't make a lot of sense. That's true. And you get Neelix being a bit of a dick. Like, he's just basically going, nah, they're just silly stories. No, 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 no. He's like, well, why don't you try being supportive of the Neelix? (laughs) Like, nah, not a chance. But, yeah, very strange. And I forgot how bad... uh, Kezzy's wig was in the first season. Oh, in fact, in fact, there's a lot of bad wigs going on in this episode. Like, <laughs> Bilana's hair's pretty bad as well. And obviously, Janeway's season one hair is famous for... Yeah, it, which is... It's odd when you think about it, because Voyager started, what, 94, 95? Yeah, yeah. So, the, the bit, we'd had Star Trek coming out... Since '87, so the eight years, nine years into making Star Trek, yeah, we've had nine nine seasons previously of yeah. Star Trek made before Voyager's released. So they should be good at the makeup and the wigs and all that. You right think now. so? They yeah, should a, they should have a, have wardrobes and wardrobes full of stuff to use. There's no excuse for bad wardrobing by by the no, time there really Star Trek. isn't, but. Nonetheless, it took him a while to find <laughs> the makeup and the wigs, particularly for the, particularly the the actresses who get yeah, the worst yeah. end of the stick in this one, because yeah, it, it not very flattering. Um, so onto the actual plot then. So they detect sort of some sort of explosion, and they basically find this dead planet. Yeah, well, now this get this got me. There's this explosion and the ship's shaking all over the place. Yeah. And then it focuses in on Kess. Mm. And Kess isn't woken up by the shaking about her. <laughs> That's true. It's that she has this mental premonition. She doesn't even notice the shaking about It's like, what? <laughs> yeah, I've not thought of that. That's a, that's a good point. <laughs> but, okay. <laughs> yeah. She's a sound sleeper, generally. Yeah, unless it's psychic. Yeah, it, that's the only thing that gets you out of it. And Janeway goes on an away mission, so that's sort of setting her up as different to Picard. You know, we're yes. seeing that this is a captain who's willing, or not necessarily willing, but there's nothing to stop her from going down and doing the missions and everything. Well, I, I'm, I'm going to put it out there that Janeway does this. Like, we saw very early on in Next Generation, Riker put his foot down, it's my job to protect you as captain, Dangerous missions, you can't go, I go, you stay on the ship. Yeah. And I've got to put it out there, 
Janeway has a really weak, rubbish first story <laughs> who won't stand up to it or say something like that. I think we might have touched on that before, but um, but yeah, you're right, she does, she does. And yeah, so Kez basically thinks she's seen what happened and yeah. um, when they go down to the planet, Tom... It looks like he's getting flashes of the past, but we find out that he's going through these subspace fissures or something. Yeah, it, yeah, the polaric polaric energy explosion. Yeah, so it's polaric explosion. Now this and, is and the and the ruptures or the explosive shock wave moves backwards in time yeah, instead which, of forwards in time. I like that. That that reminds me of the end of All Good Things, where they had the the anomaly moving yeah. backwards. And, yeah. I do. I think there's a lot of good ideas in this episode. Like the the polaric energy thing, it seems to be. I presume it's having a go at nuclear power. You know, that seems yeah. to be the allegory. But I don't remember nuclear power being a big issue at this point in the nineties. But no, the, uh... the episode certainly seems to feel like it is because it's it it gets a bit soapboxy about it and. You know, you can tell it's one of these episodes that's meant to reflect our times and everything. But yeah, well, that, a lot of Star Trek does exactly, that. and and there. and this feels like it's that's what it's trying to do. But I don't remember that being a big issue a, at the time, a, or certainly not a pressing issue. But you know, maybe I don't know, but maybe it was a bigger thing in America, or yeah. But that that to me that seems to be what it's what it's having a go at, and. We end up with Tom and Janeway are both trapped in the past. And then we get this child actor who, I, he's not good. No, he isn't. He's, no. Like, he starts off and he's, oh, you demons, you just appeared. And we, fair enough, because to him, he has just seen them appear. Yeah, and he's telling the truth. They have just appeared. But why does he assume the demons... Yeah, I, I don't know. He he just does, but oh, I presume maybe he's he's quite religious. I don't know. Yeah, well, that sort of policeman or security officer, whatever he is, goes. You're reading too many, and he says something. So I assume there's some sort of popular children's comic yeah, now, book. That I liked that as well. That's a nice detail to have something that you know, like we say, you imagine it's something like Goosebumps or something, yeah. but to have it established that they've got something similar in their culture. I think that's a nice little throwaway bit of detail. Yeah, they ruin it when he goes, uh, when he tells, like, it is a nice detail how he does this, and he goes, but then he ruins it when he goes, go have a confectionery bar to calm down. Yeah. He could have said, could, they could have made up a made-up name. Yeah, yeah, they could even go have a zibzab or something. Yeah. Yeah, yeah there's no reason why not. You're right, they yeah, could have done. Yeah, like, a, Unless that's just how the Universal Translators point it out. Uh, it could be. Yeah, it could be the equivalent of saying candy bar. Yeah. You know, just as a generic kind of thing. There are very... I mean, first of all, it's it's lucky that these aliens look human. There's yeah. no ridges, bumps, anything like that. So, so Tom and Janeway can blend in. But that's fine, because we know particularly from the original series, there's lots of very human-looking species out there. So, yeah. fair play. They're very brightly coloured, like the clothes they wear. Now, I thought that um, that worked in the favour, because apart from the fact that they had phasers, 
and all that, and tricord is strapped to the belts. The uniforms didn't actually look that too far out. No, because it, it was like a three-coloured band. band yeah, band yeah. And they had like a two-coloured bar. Yeah, and and they sort of get away with it by saying, oh, it's a little bit more formal because we're travelling." Yeah. So yeah, I can buy that they do get away with it. Um, though I don't know how they end up with clothes because you have a bit where Tom talking to the guy with the clock and. He, he, the guy says it'll be 14 whatevers and Tom sort of goes oh I might come back later yeah he says fair price I'll come back later because obviously they have no they haven't got any money but then next time we see them they're both wearing native clothes so now well I'm assuming because uh, Tom's an ex-con that he's picked up a couple of tricks while he's been been on wrong but he's either gone and uh, shoplifted the clothes straight off, or is there pick somebody's pocket for some currency? Ah, uh, maybe. I mean, so, like I think if you've got Tom on an, on an away mission, especially in the early days where he's still fresh from Nick, yeah, that he can remember some of the tri- tricks that he learned. Because to say that the best place to get a criminal education is in prison. <laughs> yeah, so he's learned it all. Yeah. It could so, well yeah, be. I, I mean, I, I'm fine with him. I, with uh, Tom's gone pickpocketing I, or shoplifting. I was going to give him benefit of the doubt and say maybe they sold their uniforms to someone, <laughs> but I'll I'll go with Tom's been on the rob. Yeah, well, yeah. Um, he's not fully reformed yet, and so yeah, they basically work out we've got a day until the disaster's going to happen and everything. And um, there's a nice scene in the middle of all this with the Doctor where he's basically annoyed that no one's told him Kez and Neelix are on the ship. Yeah, which I think he's got a fair point. They're coming because Kez is... because the psychic thing, she doesn't know what's going on. Mm. He studies her and goes, well, well, I've no comparison. <laughs> You've got the healthiest brain of whatever species yeah. you are. Yeah, he says you're the, you're the healthiest one I've ever seen, and yeah, and then he's they say, "Oh, we merge with another crew," and he's like, "Right," <laughs> he's just getting really annoyed about yeah, it. At sick beta Janeway. Oh, the captain's not here. She's lost on an away mission. What? Yeah, and he's like, "Well, can I speak to someone who isn't <laughs> and missing at the minute?" And which, like, he is the chief medical officer. Yeah, like. It do, I think it does. This happens a lot early on in Voyager, where it gets brushed aside and ignored. And I know he's only a hologram, but he has a fair point. Is the acting chief, in fact, only medical officer? Yeah, yeah. And they just say comp- they don't follow protocol because he's a hologram. No, it's true, and you get that over and over again, not yeah. just in the early episodes. But uh, one thing I noticed about this at this point. He does just seem like he can't be bothered with it. He just wants to be turned off. Like he's saying, just turn me off before you go. Make sure you turn me off. Well, I think that's another thing because he hasn't he hasn't got the ability to turn himself on and off at this point. In yeah. Story. I know he does. The do Janeway gives him that permission later on. Yeah. But he keeps getting left on in sick bay with nothing to do. At this point, he's not carrying out research. I know he carries out research in later seasons. But it's not carrying out any research. Yeah. It's got no patience. So it's just stood, turned on, with nothing. And I assume it's just stood, doing nothing. Oh, exactly, yeah. And at this stage, he's not 
really got any desire to be anything other than what he is, you know. It's an emergency medical holograph, hologram. And like I say, it's probably probably only two weeks or so into them being trapped in the Delta Quadrant at this point. Yeah, it's almost like anything for a quiet life, like just just turn off the light as you go out, leave me alone. I'm an emergency medical hologram. When you come in, you activate me. When you leave, you meant to deactivate me that's how how it works yeah exactly so it's good I mean Robert Picardo was always great in the role and he is a highlight of most Voyager episodes but particularly in the weaker earlier episodes it's always good to have scenes with him yeah he he, he does he he actually saves a lot of it he does yeah he's always great and um, so going back to Jane Wayne Tom then they have discussions about the Prime Directive and everything but then we get the kid turns up again and he's seemingly been running some kind of investigation like I've spoken to the harbour master and I've found out descriptions yes. of everybody of the what? people who came in and it's like fuck off <laughs> exactly like what are you doing kid and he sort of justifies it like well I work for the school newspaper and that's yeah. where I'm going to expose you like what are you going to put? What, what's going in this newspaper? Like, there were these two people and they want on the manifest. Like, the headmaster's going to be like, take that away and just write about sports day or something. I don't want to know about it. Like, it's so weird. But... Yeah, it, it's... the Like, let's be honest here. Star Trek, apart from the exception of Jake and Nog... Yeah, are not particularly good at children. No, not not as a general rule. Um, yeah, but yeah, Alexander. They, oh dear, yeah, but no, this one's a belter. I mean, he's just—I <laughs> don't know what he's. Yeah, there's, where there's he's coming of, from. You need a lot of excuse for it, and like to be fair with the whole whole episode, the whole plot. It would lose absolutely nothing without this kid. No, it would. You're right. Absolutely right. So yeah, the guys could still capture them and not yeah. believe them and everything. And it, yeah, we'd just have one less irritating yeah. kid there. Like, but Tom jumps in front of the kid at one point because this bloke's off to shooting. And like normally, you think, well, that's a bit harsh. Someone shooting a kid like that deliberately. But <laughs> having seen the the first half of this episode, it's like, I don't blame you, mate, if well, it goes around like that all fucking time. Well, exactly, and they're probably worried that he's going to expose their their mission in the next issue yeah. at School Bulletin, so, you know, they don't want that getting out, so, yeah. <laughs> got, to, got to silence him. <laughs> and, yeah. So, they, they find these demonstrators and everything, and this is where I think it's getting at nuclear power and everything. And, yeah, it goes sort of back and forth, and Janeway decides to reveal who they really are at this stage. And this is because she's realised that it's them going back that have forced them to move up. Yeah, they've moved the timetable up a bit, so their interference is responsible for the disaster, so Janeway feels justified now in trying to prevent it. Yeah. Which, again, I think that's fair enough, yeah, that Janeway will play a bit fast and loose in later episodes with the Prime Directive, but I think she's pretty this much on the money very here. very strict on it and yeah. very, much by, very much doing things properly. Yeah, and 
Yeah, when they get to the the plant and everything, and the guy says, right, don't don't jeopardise the mission, otherwise the kid's the first to get it. And Janeway straight away just goes, I'm a hostage. I'm a hostage. Yeah, so maybe Janeway's had enough for the kid as well. But it just seems like, well, wait a minute, Janeway, you know? Well... Maybe that's all. She didn't want to be in the school paper. Yeah, it could be. It could be, yeah. And like you say, Tom jumps in, saves the kid. And um, I think the ending's really quite cool. Like, we get these scenes where we've got... um, Janeway and Tom have been taking places in the past and then Chakotay and his team are going places in the present. And we can see it's the same set, but obviously it's dressed differently because it's pre and post the disaster. Yeah. And I think that's really cool. Yeah, um, I think it looks it looks the part. It does, yeah. And it, it's good as you're watching it to go, oh, right, they're, they're there now. And, um, and then there's the idea that it's actually Chakotay trying to rescue them that causes it. Yeah. I, I think that's a, a cool idea. Um, yeah. Well, it, it's very much uh, cause and effect, that one, isn't yes, it? Yes, it is. And it obviously, that allows them to do the first of Voyager's reset button never happened tricks. Yeah, which... now, now to me, I think I've, I've really noticed it now that we've been doing this series. Like, I'm not sure how many weeks of these we've done. We've covered quite a lot of time travel. Yeah, we have. Um, you look at DS9, you look at TNG, even <laughs> TOS didn't have to do the lazy thing where time travel, or it didn't happen at, by the end of the episode. Yeah. And yet, Voyager, it all, nearly all Voyagers are just cause and effect. Yeah, just about every single one that we've looked at has Even been... Even the Earth Hell isn't a cause and effect episode. No. As such. But even that one is wiped out by the end of yeah, it. Yeah, that gets taken out. Uh, yeah, so... And it's just very lazy. It is. And it's, you know, Star Trek got a lot of stick in the the 90s era for, from a storytelling perspective, they said, you know, you had to have the reset button in the sense that whatever you do in the episode has to have no long-lasting ramifications for next week, as we've talked about before, because it was in syndication. Yeah. And they wanted viewers to just come in. That That's fine. That's but, fine, but... But Voyager took it even further to be yeah, literally... Like, yeah, this episode literally never actually happened. Yeah. And this is the first time, and as we've... Because because we've not been doing them in order, it it's certainly not the last time. No, no, it's it, like have we actually covered a Voyager one where things aren't reset at the end? Um, if we have, it's not jumping straight. I don't to think mind. we have. Um, from... I think the all even the one we did last week, um, shattered. Chakotay remembered what had happened, but yeah, the rest of them didn't. didn't yeah, know. true. No, the vast majority of them do seem to get wiped, yeah. Um, But having said all of that, like, when we said we were going to do this one, we were thinking this is going to be really bad going back to first season Voyager. And it's not as bad as I were expecting. No, like, you see how badly, like, wardrobe was in in the early ones. Yeah, definitely. Which, like I said, I've already said... Nine years of Star 
or nine seasons of Star Trek already. There's no excuse for uh, ill-prepared wardrobe. If Voyager was the first season of Trek that we'd had, oh yeah, coming back, and this, and only the third episode, you could sort of say you could forgive the wardrobe not being really good and the yeah. makeup not being up to scratch on everything. But it isn't. They've got nine seasons behind them. Yeah, no, there's, I mean, yeah, there were definitely teething problems, but, like, it, it's obviously well documented that TNG, it took till about season three to find its feet. Yeah. DS9, I think, did it a little bit faster, but it, you know, it was still shaky for the first couple of yeah. seasons there. But they should know how to do it by this point. You know, yeah, it's the should, third series be. they've launched. Yeah, there shouldn't be them, them like... <laughs> I was uh, reading and Michael Pillard uh, decided with Voyager, part of the reason that Janeway was sent on the away mission in this episode, it was very deliberate mm. that they wanted her to be a lot more central of a character. Yeah. Interacting with all the others and on the missions. Yeah, like... Than like... what they'd done with Picard and Cisco in the first couple of seasons. They didn't yeah. want to have to wait a couple of seasons for it to be No, which is fair enough. Yeah. Which makes sense. Yeah, it does. So they had learnt lessons. They just weren't very good at implementing it. No, <laughs> not always. But, you know, for a, a first season Voyager episode, I, it's not too bad, this one. It's not It's not up there with some of the other ones we've looked at. But, no, it, but it's, it, it's fine. <laughs> it's it's a know. clever concept. It's... When you think it was the first one that they did of cause and effect, it's yeah. fair enough, and it's and it's quite clever in that. Yeah. Of of how they've done the time travel and that it didn't actually happen because they caused the explosion. Yeah, yeah. There's some really neat ideas in it. Um, but the, the, then they just repeated it over and over. They did, so. and they do it better. To be fair, you know, later yeah. on, but well, they um, do do it better, but they still do exactly the same. Oh yeah. <laughs> and I think us coming because we've not done them in any order. We're now looking at it of having already reviewed a load of Voyager time episodes. That's that true. Exactly the same. Yeah, you're not meant to watch all the time travel ones back to back to back, but we are doing, so we're stuck <laughs> with it now. Um, but yeah, I think that more or less covers us for that. So we'll be back then next time with more time travel episodes. Um, there's if, still, yeah, there's still more out oh, there there's to plenty. Do. Uh, if you want to get in touch with us, we're on Twitter at RetrekPod. You can email us, RetrekPod at gmail.com. Or you can have a look for Retrek on Facebook and join us for a chat on there. Uh, thanks for trekking with us this time. We'll see you next time on the Retrek. Thanks. Bye-bye.